Come on up, come on up, come on up. We're, we're going to we're going to do something similar to what we did last week because we Seth and Sandra are all old friends of us. And if you don't know Seth and Sandra, you haven't been at Lake Haven very long, because you know Seth, uh, Seth and Sandra, and they're just awesome. They're they're so rich of the Word of God. We're old old friends or young friends. You got your sunglasses on, huh? <laughs> this is my sister, yeah. <laughs> and um, and. Right. Yeah, I can see this coming, going that way. But, but um, Seth and Sandra have got such a unique ministry in, in so many ways. But, but today's message that I wanted to get was to get real. Do you want to get real? Yeah. You're looking at me like, what do you mean, Shannon? Well, I'm, well I mean, you know, I'm, I, you know, that one of my passions to, to talk about is to take Christianity. You know, you know, we used to, we have a three-point sermon or whatever, and we've made, we've made, we made messages and sermons so TED, TED Talkish that they become intellectual things that we go and listen to. And, and what Paul experienced back in the day was when he went to, to this Greek, when he went to Athens and he saw that these were philosophers that would sit around and listen to ideas. Oh, what new thing are you bringing? And, and, I, and my concern is if the church just steps into this place where, where we just consider an idea or we just consider talks or we just consider things and it just becomes a philo- philosophical sort of idea, it just becomes information that we share and we never really have a take home. And, and so some, some, sometimes um, how we take things home is, is such a critical part. And like this is what, something that we, we strive to do at Lake Haven is how to make it really, really practical. Practical Christianity. Now, um, you know, with Jesus, when he spoke about the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10, he, he, you know, he, was, a, he was actually trying to be tricked by one of the Pharisees. And they said, you know, you know, well, what, you know, you know he says, uh, the, the guy asked him, which is the greatest commandment? And Jesus said these interesting words. He says, he says, so, he says, what do you read in the Bible, in the Word? What do you read in the law? He said, and, and, and how do you perceive it? How do you perceive it? And the guy said, well, well, I guess that, you know, love the Lord your God as your, as your, you know, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, you've answered correctly. And so the guy rebuts immediately. He says, but who's my neighbor? You see, religion likes to be technical. We like to be technical, and religion has done that. And, and unfortunately, with the technicalities of religion, and, and, and we, we have departed from the heart of what Jesus is trying to say. And so he goes on to tell the story of the quote-unquote good Samaritan. And what's interesting in the parable, and many of you have read it, and I'll let you read it on your own time, um, but this, there's a man who falls under robbers. He's, he's left half dead on the side of the road, and a Levite passes by. A Levite represents the law. And because he, he sees the guy, he, he sort of skirts him and goes on the other side of the road and moves along. The same thing with a priest. Walks up to the guy, moves alongside. Do you know that that, that is such an image of religion? Religion doesn't help people. Religion is the same thing that try to trap Jesus at the expense of a prostitute's life. They didn't care that she was a prostitute. They didn't, they didn't care at all that, that she could get stoned. They wanted to trap Jesus. And religion will do that. Religion will, will use people and things. And, and you know, we, I've got no love for religion. But, but, and I know that most, most people who have been trapped in sort of religion um, have, come, have come out of it because they, they mean well. And, and we, wanna, we need to extend and sort of a, a, a helping hand to people that are, are trapped in this, this dead, cold religion that is strangling them to death. We need to have 
a practical Christianity. So, of course, in the story, as you know, um, we get the, the Good Samaritan. The Samaritan comes by, and what's so remarkable about this guy? This guy wasn't even qualified Jew. He was not even a certified, approved, good guy. He was one on the other side of the fence. Yep, they sure did. Samaritans, unacceptable. And he is the one that helps and takes and picks up the guy and takes him to the inn and and says, listen, takes care of him and puts him and says that, look, I'll pay the bill later if there's anything missing. But And Jesus said, he, he said, so which of these guys loved their neighbor? And, and the guy said, well, I guess it was the last one. He said, well, go and do likewise. And, you know, that, that can be... That can be a real practical example of how we can reach out to people. And, and we've touched on this whole Jesus Revolution movie in passing. I don't know how many of you have seen it yet. You know, I've, I keep asking. Really worthwhile watching it while it's in the movie, in, in the, in the, in the movie theater. And, and, but, but what's interesting in the concept of, of Jesus Revolution is, of course, they spoke about hippies. Hippies were, at the time, in the 60s and 70s, were sort of the unacceptable, smelly, dirty feet, blah, 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 the druggies, and we, you push them to the side. But I'm telling you, you have a hippie in your life. Who, who is your hippie? You know, I know some of you look, well, I don't have any hippie. No, I'm not. You know what I mean? Who is the people that you aren't accepting? Who are the unlovable people in, in your life? And because we, when, we are, when we are radically transformed by this gospel that you know, when, you know, we've, we've been so blessed by this phenomenal gospel that, that, we've, that we've encountered. And, and we unpack the gospel so often, you know, that do you, do you know this wonderful truth? It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. For freedom. Not for religion. Yeah. Right, right, exactly. And, and so we've got this awesome freedom that we're supposed to live in, but we, but we sit and we have been strangled by religion and being, being made un, um, unapproachable. Oh, you've got, you should be. I should be on. There I am. You know, you, you've said this, but let me say it just a little bit different. Religion does not care about people. You know, we often say, uh, religion does not love, but the reality is religion doesn't even care about people. It cares about rules and regulations. And, and when it comes down to it, this, we all know the gospel's heart. I mean, there might be, you could maybe go a couple directions with this, but one of the hearts of the gospel is relationship, right? And so in the end, Jesus didn't come down to fulfill a set of prophecies. Jesus didn't come to fulfill some rule and regulation. He came down because he loves you, right? Because he cares about people. You know, and I was thinking about even like this morning coming in, we kind of slid in sideways. We had the privilege of having a tire issue to deal with. And, and so we're, we're at the shop this morning and dealing with that. So we kind of slide in here sideways this morning, so to speak. And you know what? I was totally comfortable doing it. And you know why? Relationship. I know you, we've talked, I was not uncomfortable about sliding in even a little late. Not to mention the fact that as I walk down that aisle, there's relationship the whole way down the aisle, right? People, some of you have known for years and years, some I just met recently, some of you I'm yet to meet, but that relationship and that caring is huge. And that's what it comes down to when you come to the heart of the gospel and, and you move away from religion, move into the heart of the Father, and even with him, it starts with relationship. Yeah. Man, I couldn't help this morning as I watched humanity. I find it a privilege to be put into environments. We laugh in Colorado because it would be the, the DMV, we call it, right? The Department of Motor Vehicle. 
I'm like, how is it that at the DMV there's nobody normal? <laughs> Everybody's dysfunctional. Or they all have three teeth, as, as T said. You know, and no, it's interesting to me. You walk out into humanity, and you know what I thought, and I'm going to challenge this today, and I'm going to leave it with you then. Life, every piece and part of life is better with God. So if you walked in burdened or heavy today, I highly encourage you to slow down enough and look at your life because I guarantee you, even though you have trouble spots and challenge spots, in you today, there's areas that they're better because God is in your life. And that's a constant everyday thing. But again, it's all about relationship, right? And connecting at a level where you're cared for. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, when, um, you know, we've, we, the famous scripture, which we love, give, it's talking about Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30. Come to me, all who labor yeah. and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Right. Jesus' message wasn't one of burden. And, and unfortunately, his name has been so maligned in the nation that when most sinners think about the church, they think about burden. They think about heaviness. They think about a list of to-dos. They think about God being mad at them. I mean, how many people have you invited to church or to Easter and people say, oh, I can't step in there. If I had to step in there, God would strike me down or something to that effect. And, and that, that is their viewpoint of God. That is so sad that the world's current image has been so portrayed by the church, quote unquote, and in their mind, they see it as the church. And here he's, Jesus says this, he says, he says, come to me all who labor heavy laden, I will give you rest, take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Man, when, when, you, when, you, when the gospel should feel easy and light. Let me tell you, if it doesn't feel easy and light, there's a few things wrong with that. One, you're not learning of Jesus. Two, you're not, you're not taking, well, that's kind of the same thing as taking up his yoke. Because you, you have been given something that has made it not easy. Listen, I, and I'm not saying that Jesus waves a magic wand and you don't have trouble in this world. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. But that's got nothing to do with the burden or the, the yoke that Jesus um, gave us. In fact, you know, we, that illustration and the yoking up with Jesus is always often connected with, you know, the, the, the fact of having a, a, a physical wood yoke and oxen. But that's actually not what he was talking about. He was talking about a burden of teaching. And in those days, it was actually connected to a, a certain Pharisee would have a, a yoke of teaching. And if you would adopt their yoke, what you would take upon them was their view, their, their idea of their teaching. In fact, you can see it. In fact, if you look at um, uh, in Acts chapter 15, verse 10, he says this. Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear. You see, there's, he's, he's using this work. He's talking to the Pharisees. He's saying that the yoke that you've tried to put on people doesn't fit. It's burden. That no, nobody's been able to bear that yoke. And then, in, and then of course, um, you know, the, the, then the scripture I mentioned earlier, Galatians 5.1, he said, it is for freedom 
that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. You see, that is an encouragement to all of us. You and I have a choice to submit to a yoke again. And the whole book of Galatians unpacks the freedom of God's sons. And how that it is, it is by grace that we've been saved through faith. And Paul speaks in no uncertain terms about what he says. Basically, he says, listen, if you teach any other gospel besides this one, you can just go to hell. <laughs> and, and I'm sorry, that's actually in the Bible. Yeah. He says, may you be eternally accursed. And then he says it a second time. If you teach any other gospel, which is no gospel at all, he says, may you be eternally accursed. You think that's a little bit of strong language in the Bible? Oh, 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 yeah. Because the gospel has, should, be one of bird, uh, should be setting free. Some people come to experience Jesus. When people come into Lake Haven Church or to Open Fields Church... They experience a, a should experience a liberty, a lifting of the burden. When you get when you take on Jesus said, My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Do you think Jesus told the truth? Yes. And so we've got to be persuaded of what the gospel truly is. And 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 you know, of course, Easter's coming and we, we, have a, we always unpack the gospel in such a powerful way or for Easter because we know that it's one of those Sundays that many people, it's the one time a year that they come. And, and I tell you, it's a great day to bring, to bring like I said, we, we say it in our thing, but bring your friends, bring your enemies, bring your family members, whoever. But, but it's always great to understand what the true liberty of the gospel is and what it means to our lives. But this is why I want to get real here. We, we, we're talking very frankly over here, but we've got, to get, we've got to take this off the idea in our mind of just being philosophical in our idea and hearing messages that we say, oh, yeah, that's so nice. Isn't that nice? The Bible says that we can tickle our ears, that all we want to hear is hear something that I can walk out again and I can feel nice. Ah, that was nice, you know. It's not about just feeling nice. No, now, the gospel does make you, the burden and light, it does make you feel, but what does it actually do? Does it bring liberty to your life, and does it help you to be a beacon of liberty, you know? And so, Seth and Sandra, I, I just love the one thing that I've admired about this, the friendship that we've had over so many years yeah. is that, that, that Seth and Sandra both have a way of, of getting real and getting relational, and, and Sandra's a great teacher um, of these, of just of principles of living and asking great questions, as he said. You know, if, if many of you, if you guys came to the men's retreat and Seth was facilitating, what's that? Men, sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> I said the wrong word. The advance. Okay, thank you. <laughs> if some of you guys to the men's advance, you'd know Seth, Seth's facilitation technique. But, but, but it's just great to be able to say, listen, okay, so we, we read scriptures in, in the gospel, but what is it to get real, get to get practical in Christianity, particularly in our relationships? Yeah. Yeah. You know? I'm sitting here thinking, and I say this because Jesus said this, you can have what you want. Mm. Bottom line that whole idea of being set free, you can have what you want. 
and I'm talking about a heart surrendered, obviously, but Jesus said, according to your faith, be it unto you. You know, one of the strongest words I've heard that really was quite upsetting, and I'm about to give it to you, is you have right now exactly what you want. And I know that feels like, what? How dare you? I understand that. But the reality is, Father has given us Jesus, wherein he provided everything for us to live free, to have a life of freedom. So what we don't have in the areas we don't have it is to understand now, I have somehow misinterpreted the word, that whole idea of having a yoke put upon me. Most of that has to do with your mental capacities, what you have thought and what you have believed. So in order to change that and experience that freedom that you've been given, it requires this shift and understanding of I'm seeing something wrong and I'm believing something wrong. So I need to get God's heart on the matter. I need to hear his word on the matter and find out what he says and then walk in belief of that so that I can have that because according to my faith, be it unto me, I can have what I want. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that's so powerful. I've said it this way, what you believe right now, because we all have a belief system and the word of God, as you hear me say so many times, is carried in our heart. It's not carried in our spirit. It's carried in our heart. And there's scripture for that. Romans 10 says that it's with your heart that you believe. Yeah. It's also with your heart that you doubt. Yeah. It's also your heart that we told to guard. Mm-hmm. Do you know that you, it's, it says that if we're we've above all things, it says in Proverbs 4, to guard your heart. Yeah. So think about that for a second. Yeah. I mean, I'm rushing past scriptures, but this is, we, we, we teach it. But what, what Sandra was talking about, because you can have an idea, you can have a thought process, you can have a philosophy, you can have a doctrine that says something, but because your heart is not persuaded of it, you can be in doubt. Remember the man whose, whose son was throwing himself to, into fire, and he said, uh, and, and Jesus said to him, he says, he says, don't worry. He says, just only believe. And he says, but Jesus, I do believe. He says, help my unbelief. Yeah. Jesus said in Matthew, um, sorry, Mark 11, uh, he, he, speaks about, he, spe- he speaks about telling the mountain to cast itself in the sea. And he says, if you believe and do not doubt. But there, there's this place for unbelief. And, and there's this place for doubt. And we can, as I said, we can doubt in our hearts. And if we don't understand the principle of taking home scripture, yeah. Yeah. then what we do is we um, inoculate ourselves or vaccinate ourselves mm-hmm. against truth. We vaccinate ourselves because we've heard it. Yeah. Uh, you, you've heard me say this before. We've heard the truth. So immediately when somebody speaks the truth, you say, oh, yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. But the real truth is, if you're not experiencing it, you haven't heard it. Yeah. 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 Well, well, and Shannon, getting real, you're not hearing it because you're more committed. I'm speaking to myself too. But you're more committed to how you see it. That's exactly how God what I sees was it doesn't say. matter. Yeah. That's what we do. We yeah. say, no, 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 this is how I see it. I know the word says this, but I see it this way. And that, mm-hmm. that is our true belief. And then right? our mentality of that, that belief system that we carry brings us death and destruction instead of life and freedom. And you then know, we question why. Yeah. That, that <laughs> Stupidly. That song, getting real. 
surrender. <laughs> I surrender it all right. to you, Lord. We don't. <laughs> right. Right? And then we have problems, and then we have struggles, and then all those things that we don't want. Mm-hmm. We have problems because we've not surrendered. You know, the, the reality is, this has been a phrase that just keeps going over and through me for the last, I don't know, six months at least. God, who is bigger than me, mm. stronger than me, wiser than me, more just than me, braver than me, God. Like, if we understand that's God, that causes surrender to be something that we can go, uh, I can surrender. Because God, who's bigger than me and smarter than me and wiser than me, stronger than me and braver than me, God. Oh, (laughs) you know. Uh, Oh, okay. Surrender. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah, and and I think we have to admit to ourselves a lot of times that... (laughs) We really don't have a belief problem. Now, there are belief system problems, but we want to pretend like believing is hard. The reality is, no, we just need to surrender to God's view, to God's opinion, to God's ideas. Let that work in us. That changes the belief system. So it's not really difficult. We like to pretend like it is, but it's not really difficult. We just need to surrender to and be committed to saying, God, this is how you see it. So I'm going to see that as true. No, it doesn't. My circumstances at that point don't matter. My belief system doesn't matter. God, if you see it this way, I'm surrendering to that. And then the heart changes, right? Yeah. And, and belief yeah. system changes. So it's really not hard. No, but it is intentional. It is intentional, absolutely. Like if you come to Sunday Very church, so. and that's kind of all you do with your relationship with God. Uh-oh. You're, the, it's not, I'm sorry, it's not enough. It's not. And I'm not saying it's about works and about you performing, but it's not enough to renew your mind. That scripture, Romans 12, 1 and 2, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You do not renew your mind once a week. It doesn't work. What if you changed your underwear once a week? Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> We're supposed to change it more than once a week? Sandra, you're getting too real. You need to back off. You're getting too real. Yeah, no, but the the reality is if we're not renewing our mind daily and maybe sometimes twice a day, and by that, you have to be intentional in the sense of like set a time. I have people say to me, I just, I mean to, but I forget. Uh, Well, (laughs) you need to set a time. Okay, when I'm in the shower, I'm not going to have anything else going. I'm going to talk to God while I'm in the shower. Or while I'm brushing my teeth, I'm going to pace the house, pace the bathroom, and I'm going to talk to God, right? Like setting that intentional time, because that's part of building that relationship so that it becomes something where your mind is being renewed, where you are. You don't do it once a week. It doesn't work. Yeah, I I absolutely agree. In fact, it's, you know, we, we compartmentalize God so much in our lives. We do. We put him in a little box, either on a Sunday, or we put him in my QT, my quiet time, if you have a quiet time or whatever you want to call it, for 5, 10, 15, an hour a day. And then it's like, he's got no other time. It's like, rather than we've lost this connection of understanding that he has actually become one with us. That Jesus said that they may be one as we are one. And that we, we've totally lost the whole plot yeah. that this is a permanent yeah. marriage yes. relationship yes. that we get to commune with him 
24-7. That's what it means by praying continually. Yeah, Shannon, that's the yoke. See, I think we think of a yoke as taking on a burden. The reality is, no, when we yoke with him, it's not just here or there. We're taking, if we're taking anything on, we're taking his strength on, right? And bringing it into every piece and part of life if we'll allow it. So that's where it's not the moment thing. But it's taking on him, taking on his strength, giving up our weakness. That's the yoking. And therefore is every moment of every day. Unless we don't want it. Again, getting real. If we're not experiencing it because we don't want to or, or aren't willing to be intentional. Because it's there. It doesn't go away. Right. And you, know, you see, the thing is, when Jesus spoke, and most of these parables weren't about being saved. Jesus was speaking about the kingdom, yeah. the gospel of the kingdom. Yes, Jesus right. went and taught the gospel of the kingdom. Yeah. And when you realize, and there's so many parables, you will see him talk about the kingdom. And what religion has done is said, oh, well, that's one day in the sweet by and by. Uh, yeah. That's when you die. Then we're going to experience the kingdom. That is one of the greatest lies. It is. That religion is portrayed because if you don't realize that a kingdom is something, kingdom of God is something that we experience here. Why do you think Jesus said it this way? Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Why are we supposed to pray that way? We are supposed to be experiencing kingdom living here. In fact, Jesus said it this way. If somebody says there's the kingdom or there's the kingdom, don't believe it. He says, because the kingdom is within you. It's within you. But you see, the thing about the kingdom of God is it is completely different to how the world works. It plays by completely different rules. And you see, we in the church have been sold a bill of goods, and we think that we can carry on living in the church or living in Jesus and experiencing all Jesus has without living in the kingdom. You can't. Now, let me say it this way. I'm not talking about being born again. You can get born again, and when you die one day in the sweet by and by, you can go and be with heaven, and you can never experience life in the kingdom. You can never fulfill your call and your purpose in the kingdom. Kingdom living is what we get to do. But what Sandra just said, it takes a complete renewal of your mind. You have to think it's like stepping off the cricket field into the rugby field or vice versa. I'll use South African terminologies just to keep you wondering. If you played cricket with rugby rules, it's not going to work. No matter how, how, no matter how good your intentions are, that's good. It works away. At the everything about the rules change, everything. When you try and play, if, if you try and play kingdom stuff, I mean, how you define success in the kingdom is different. You see, the world says, "What are the numbers? Give me the numbers. I want to know what the key, whatever principal factors are. I want the numbers. Show me the numbers. That is success." You know what? That's not the kingdom of God. That's really good. Do you know that you can be completely kingdom oriented in your whole life and lead one person to Jesus? That's not the question. The question of key of being obedient is whether you are obedient to God. Somebody who is successful in the kingdom has, has learned the art of submitting to Jesus and has, has learned the art of submitting to God, no matter what the cost. That is somebody that's successful. Not how much results did you have. I know that goes real quiet because I know that people haven't heard this stuff before. 
Jesus, do you, do you know that Jesus wasn't about numbers? He said, listen, go into all the world, and if somebody doesn't receive your word, what does he say? Stay there until you convince half the town to believe in Jesus. Then you, well done, thy good and faithful servant, because you have, you have stuck it out and you've persuaded half of them. Is that what Jesus said? What did he say? Move on. They don't want the word. Go to some, find somebody who does. Jesus operated completely different. John 6 is one of my favorite, favorite chapters because he didn't care about numbers. He compared about, very, very different about numbers. Yeah. Here he has, just the day before, thousands of people getting saved. Thousands of people, I mean, sorry, getting fed, not saved. They're there for the food. The next day they're back because guess what? They want a free lunch. John 5, they get a free meal. Or in the beginning of John 6, I should say, and then and suddenly they want, hey, where's the bread, 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 the bread. It's all about the bread because, listen, they've experienced the bread. And then suddenly Jesus says, listen, you want real bread? I am the bread of life. Lest you eat this bread and drink this blood, you have no part of me. Jesus didn't try and explain that. He didn't see while they were turning away saying, this guy's a cannibal. We're out of here. He didn't go and run after them and say, no, no, excuse me, you, you misunderstood me. I'm trying to be hypothetical here. I'm, I'm giving you an illustration. Jesus watched them go. And then he turned around to his 12 that were left. You, you want to go too? Just in case you want to go. There's, there's the door. That doesn't sound like somebody who's about the numbers. I think it's important to say it's not hard. You know, there's, there's this idea of either all or nothing, right? And a lot of you like to do all or nothing. And all of us have that. But understanding that renewing the mind, understanding that walking in the kingdom, it's not hard. It's intentional. It's consistent. It's taking the steps and making the action part of your daily life and including him in everything. It's not hard, like, oh, I gotta pray for six hours. Oh, I gotta pray, I gotta pray. No, it's not hard. It's consistent. Small hinges swing big doors. And if you wanna learn to walk in the kingdom and walk with Jesus in a relational aspect where you are experiencing the kingdom, It requires consistence, intentionality, diligence, those words, not difficulty. No, you're right. But it does commit, when you say intentionality, Jesus demands a price from you. And this is it. Everything. That's all he asks. You can't give part of your life to Jesus and call him Lord. You realize that? Jesus said it this way, if you try and fulfill your own life, you're going to lose it. But lose your life for my sake and you will find it. So you, you can give him part of your life mm-hmm. and call him Savior. Is that right? Mm-hmm. But you can't, just to say it again, give him part of your life and call him Lord. Right. That's getting real and is worth thinking about, yeah. I think. And I think, know. too, I would say, and this is my view. I I think it's scriptural, but 
you know, there's a space of where we feel like we have to surrender because Jesus requires everything. If I'm going to call him Lord, he requires me to surrender everything. And that's, yes, that is true. But for me, just a slight shift in thinking slash in my heart is rather than, I have to give everything. Oh, he's so harsh. It's too much. Because I like stuff, right? I like being able to think for myself. I like being independent. I like, so it's a mental shift to go, okay, but wait. The reason I surrender everything, the reason I give all of that is not so that I can get something, so that I can be good enough, so that I can whatever accomplish. The reason I surrender everything is back to that thing of God knows. God knows what's 10 years down the road. And if I'll surrender now, I'll know what to do and where to go so that 10 years down the road, I'm in a perfect position. How many of you have experienced that space where you, you made a decision 10 years ago that now is like, oh, thank the Lord I made that decision. And that was a space of surrender. And so I think having the motivation of I'm surrendering, not because that's what God requires of me. I'm surrendering because God, who is bigger than me, smarter than me, wiser than me, stronger than me, braver than me, knows what's happening 10 years down the road. And if I'll surrender here and now, that's going to be glorious. Not to mention the fact that there's the whole issue of he empowers us to surrender. So he doesn't ask us to do something. Rather, we have the person of grace, Jesus, in our lives. And through that, through his very life, we're empowered to surrender. It's still our choice, though. So our, that's what we do is we make the choice to make him Lord. And we surrender to his power to do it. Right. Well, I mean, what know, a you, gift. You, absolutely. You see that, that, that what we're... <laughs> You said it earlier, but God, if we understand the character and nature of God is complete love. Yeah, complete. His motive is love, for God yes. so loved the world. Exactly. He so loved you and me that he did this because he knows that this world system is yeah. death. Right. He says that walking by the yeah. spirit is life and peace. Yeah. Walking by the, by, by the flesh is death. death. Yeah. And yeah. so he's like, he's like saying, yeah. the call is to be delivered from the dominion of darkness yes. into the kingdom of his dear son. Yeah. So we get to think, oh, I'm going to lose out if I give my life yeah. to Jesus. Yeah. Rather yeah. than, oh, you want to come out of the dominion or authority yeah. of darkness and live right. in light? Right. Exactly. It is for freedom exactly. that I've set yeah. you free. Yeah. My yoke is easy and my burden yes. is light. Yes. Come along here. Mm. Walk in the kingdom. Yeah. Light. Love. Yeah freedom yeah. all of these are in the light yeah. come watch how i do it yeah. learn from me mm-hmm. i will show you a completely different way yes. right. but this is what it's going to cost you everything you know why because you have to renew you have right. to completely renew your mind yeah. you have to be yeah. metamorphosized yeah. you have Absolutely. to be transformed yeah. yeah so i think it's going to be okay <laughs> if we surrender if we give all i think we're going to be okay Maybe a little bit better than okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, Jesus, right. Mm-hmm. Life. I came to give you life, life and life mm-hmm. over the top. Overwhelming, yeah. Overwhelming yeah. life. Yeah. So the thing is, yeah. though, if we trust that, mm-hmm. if we yeah. trust the character yes. of Jesus, mm-hmm. if we believe him and take him at his word and we say, I want that life. Yeah. 
then, then we're willing to set the intentionality. Yeah. Yeah. Then we're willing to say, okay, I can do that because yeah. I want what Jesus said. Seek ye first yes. the kingdom. Right. Yeah. So this is one of those examples where the kingdom is flip-flop of everything on earth. Exactly. Right? When we surrender on earth, we think death. Because if you're in war and you surrender, it means death. This is completely flip-flopped in the kingdom of God. When we surrender, we get life. And so that's one of those principles that you have to go kind of like tilt, you so know. Could, could it be said this way, that when I surrender in the world system, I'm giving something up? When I surrender in the kingdom, I'm receiving, yeah. right? I'm receiving his life. I'm receiving his love. That's a flip-flop. Well, and, and, you know, light replaces dark. When you receive light, it displaces the dark. We've used the illustration yeah. for years. Yeah. Sometimes we try and chase out the darkness, and we spend so much energy trying to That's evict so the darkness in our life, rather <laughs> than just embrace the light. The light and the light of his love and the light of everything he has is so transformative, yes. but it's so, it's so good. Yeah. It, Jesus said it so many parables, again, about the kingdom. He said it this way. It's like a man walking through a field. Who finds a treasure? It is so awesome, he says. And then what does he do? He goes and sells all he has, all he has, so that he can go and buy the field. Why? Do you think he loses out? Uh, No. No. He gains the treasure or the pearl of great price, the the same thing. Goes and sells all to get that because that is the treasure. But you see, until we don't, until we don't value the kingdom as a treasure, until we don't see or believe the kingdom as a pearl because religion has clouded it and said, oh, that Jesus thing. This is life. Come here. Chase selfishness. Come. Chase fame. Chase fortune. Chase whatever the world is offering. And then we're like, oh, okay, that's going to fulfill me. And every, every one of us knows that if we've chased fame and fortune or whatever else the world gives, it's the ladder leaning against the wrong wall. Yeah. You get there, and it's like the carrot out of reach. Right. Oh, I thought, right. I thought that was going to be enough, or that was going to do it, or right. the new car smell wears we're, we're, we're off real quick. Yeah. 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 Man, that's so good. Yeah. That's getting pretty real. You know, and, and I don't know, you know, obviously I, I can't see what you're thinking. Um, maybe I'm glad I can't see what you're thinking. But, yeah, you don't have little readouts on your foreheads. But, you know, it's so, it's so much fun to think about because we all have lives that aren't perfect, right? And I think sometimes I, I've given this a lot of thought lately is I think sometimes we think that's the goal. Get to a life where every, everything's just perfect, the reality is we will have that in eternity. And, and I started out, you know, this time together by, by making the comment that with, when God's in your life, everything's just better, right? But it also means there are still those areas where I want more of God because I want it to be better yet, right? And embracing that is not a goal of getting to a place of perfection, but a goal of embracing the journey and that surrender of moment by moment walking with Jesus and say, you know, sorry, but this is a silly little example. But even this morning, I'm, I'm at a tire shop. It takes way too long. It ended up costing way more money than I was expecting, yada, 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 all that stuff, right? You've all been there with something of that nature. In my younger years, what would have happened? Oh, my word. It would have been real bad. Be real. <laughs> he would have been so 
irritated because he has a high economic value. He would have been so irritated that coming in here this morning, he would just would have had an attitude and then it would affect me as well. And then I get an attitude at him and it's just nonstop. So getting real, you know, that is exactly right. But this morning, what happened? Well, initially, do, initially, do I really want you to I'm going to hold this mic now because he's going to take it away. Initially, I'm going to see what she says. <laughs> Get ready to turn her off. <laughs> initially today, I saw and sensed that, you know, just that, I don't know if I can say the word pissy attitude, just saw that and sensed that. And I was like, oh, here we go. <laughs> but it probably lasted like two minutes. You called at the perfect time this morning because that got him talking. So then I went up to the desk, talked to the guy. So it, it all worked out, but quickly you shifted. Because of God, right? See, that's my whole point with that whole dialogue just now is with God, everything gets better moment by moment, day by day. Doesn't mean everything's perfect. Right. But it does mean that the journey of this life and letting him in, right, to the simple things, to the difficult things, let him in and journey with him. I think about the Good Samaritan. Do you suppose there was a moment in his life where he would not have done, you know, what, what, what we saw unfold? Sure. Yeah. But with God, he got to that point to where he incredibly kind. So I think intentionality, I think understanding that letting, letting God in just changes everything, understanding that it's got to be purposeful and focused, but it's not hard. Right. I was actually thinking about this because lately I've had this, maybe none of you experienced this, but where I'm having um, intentional time as compared to throughout the day where you're talking to God throughout the day, but then that intentional time. And I've approached that intentional time and sometimes been like, I don't know, like I got nothing to talk to you about. And not, not in a weird way, but just like, I don't know what to talk to you about. Like, I don't know. So I don't know if any of you feel that way. Oh, I don't know what scripture to read. So then you just do nothing. But what I have found is if I say, if I start out with God and I'm like, uh, Father, I don't really know what to talk to you about. I'm, and then I instantly go, I guess I could talk to you about da, 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 da. And then it comes. But sometimes that saying it out loud helps you get to the place where you know what you want to talk about. And so just very practically, if you'll start talking to him, even saying, I don't know, what do you want to talk about? If you just start out, you'll figure out where to go. But it's that building a relationship. It's that being intentional and saying, okay, I'm here. I do want to talk to you. I'm not sure about what. Do you have anything you want to say? You know, having those kinds of very real conversations. And I, there's just so many avenues, just practically, of prayer time, talking to God, but then also when it comes to reading the word. If you don't know where to go, ask, what, do you, what should I read today? Show me. And of course, you can do the old school thing where you lay your Bible out and flop it open and start reading. For me personally, that has not been effective as much as asking, where should I go? What do you want to read? You know, there are literally hundreds, if not thousands of Bibles out there to read. I've recently found one that I'm 
thoroughly enjoying because there's commentary throughout. This particular one is only the book of Exodus, but there's commentary all throughout. So it's like a book and a Bible all in one, and it's phenomenal. The things that I'm learning out of Exodus. No. Crazy. So my encouragement is find a Bible that piques your interest. Talk to God about what do you want to talk about. Have meditation. I know you guys have had Clint Byers here. On his website, he's got a section called Transformation, and there's meditations listed in there that are phenomenal. Like, there's just so many avenues. So don't let that be an excuse. Well, I don't know what to do. Lots of things to do. If you need help and assistance, you've got friends and people to ask. So make sure you're asking if you're like, well, I'm just at a loss. Yeah, I appreciate that, Clint. And and you know, you know, without going into meditation today, but really, it's just simply we all meditate. Yeah, we do. Some of us just yeah. meditate so well, we we think worrying is normal, yeah. yes. but but worrying is meditation. Worrying is literally you you're just yeah. me, you're just meditating on negative stuff. Yeah. That's what the definition of worry is. Whereas yeah. when you get to think and ponder and consider yeah. things and and yeah. and really learning how to put your mind on the Word of God, I I think that. You know, they, they say there's two major motivations in the human psyche yeah. is pain to avoidance of pain and the desire for pleasure. Okay. Yeah. And, and so one of, the, you, one of the ways that if you realize what something is going to cost you, either by not having it, mm. a lack of pleasure in other words, or by an avoidance of the pain that you will have without it. There is an element that you can understand that there, if you, you will... Um, what you're experiencing, and you've heard me say this, and it can sound pretty harsh, and I, I certainly hope you don't take it that way because it's not that way, but the truth of the matter is that you are experiencing right now in your life the, the fruit of what you believe. And so if you want more of what you've got, then don't do any of this. Don't worry about this stuff. You see? Just carry on believing what you believe. Carry on. Carry on. Don't, 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 let the God, don't let God change or transform your heart and mind. But you see, because, because the, the, what you believe in your heart is what you're, what, you're willing to, what you're willing to lay hold of. But if you want to experience more of what God has for you, then you've got to let your heart get persuaded through meditation on the truth. And I mean, there's so many scriptures, guys. You go to Joshua 1, you go to Psalm 1, yes. on thy word I meditate day wow. and night. This yeah. may be strong, Joshua, if you will, this be, you will, be, you will be blessed if you meditate yeah. in my word day yeah. and yeah. night. There's, there's, just so many, there's just so many things that we can do. But remember that your heart is the one that needs persuading, mm. not your head. I just wanted to mention And I that. would say this, you can tell what your heart believes based on what your mind is whirling around. If you're whirling around worry, you've probably convinced your heart that yeah. there's a need to worry. Yeah. So if you want to change your heart, that comes by renewing the mind, which comes by thinking on promises in Scripture that has been given. And I would say this. You can create and have created your own structure of reality by the way you've thought, coming from where your heart is. But do you know that you creating your own structure of reality doesn't make it real? Right. 
it's just your perception, it's just your reality. I can walk in here and say I feel like a man, so therefore I need to become a man. When I die 20 years down the road, they dig up my bones, they're gonna see I was a woman. Doesn't matter how I felt. Right. Doesn't matter how I identified. Exactly. <laughs> they're gonna say, oh, this was a woman. Exactly right. Right? Me creating my own structure of reality doesn't make it real. Correct. But I can create my structure of reality according to the word of God, according to what he says. So if my mind is worrying, and the thing is, what we think about consistently, we create these ruts in our brains. It's scientific. We create these patterns in our brain. So if I want to shift my reality to God's reality, then it requires me to think the way God thinks, which then is the minute I'm like, oh, wait, what was that pain? I think I might be sick. Oh, I must be having something physical going on. What is my heart doing? The minute I'm there and those are my consistent thoughts, do you know every cell in my body is like, oh, we better make her sick. We got to go to work, make her sick, mess with her heart, screw with her, right? As compared to the minute I feel something and I go, oh, that is not God's heart for me. That is not God's plan for me. The reality is he loves me. So he doesn't want me to die young, miss the rest of my life, miss the purpose and the point of my life of giving. And I shift my thinking. So now instead of thinking about being sick, I'm thinking about wholeness and even beyond that, I'm thinking about the rest of my life and the plans and the purposes God has for me. Exactly, exactly yeah. right. It's so powerful. And that's why Jesus gave us what he called the keys of the kingdom. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, right. the keys of the kingdom aren't for getting into heaven with. But again, they aren't, he's gave you these keys. He said, these, <laughs> yeah, exactly. He said, binding on earth what is bound in heaven and loosing on earth what is yeah. loosed in heaven. Yeah. Because those things, for example, great example you just gave. We feel sickness. The world says, oh, you've got something coming down. You know, your brain goes that, oh, you probably got COVID. You know, whatever the case is, whatever, whatever disease it is. So yeah. Jesus, the reality is like, oh, no, no. The truth is that by his stripes I was healed. So I'm going to adopt that truth and I'm going to react. And the keys of the kingdom are, oh, well, are there hospitals? Is sickness in heaven? No. Sickness doesn't exist. So it's bound in heaven. So guess what? I use the authority of my voice. I use my lips, my power, my authority, and I say, sickness, I resist you in the name of Jesus. I use it immediately when I feel it. I say, no, that is not me. I am the healed of God. I loose the healing that I was exchanged with Jesus. I take the healing and I adopt the healing of God. I take, I am Jesus as he is in this world. So am I. So I can, those scriptures that I've buried in my heart because I've done exactly what you said, Sandra, I've aligned my thinking my thinking, my, God, my thoughts become God's thoughts. Or yeah. this way, we have yeah. the mind yeah. of Christ. Therein lies another one of those kingdom flips. Because how you just unpacked that, the reality is when you do that process, you're not bringing healing out of nothing into something. Healing is already there. You're agreeing with it. I mean, and that seems like a, a, a minor switch, but it's not us trying to convince God to do something, it's us agreeing with what he's done. Right. Right. And then saying to the body, body line up with what God has done. Right. Yeah. That's what I heard you just unpack, exactly. that you're just agreeing with what is, what exactly. is true. 
my reality that I've created may say I'm sick. It's not true. Truth is God's already healed, even though yeah. my exactly. circumstance yeah. this right. is, is this sick. Is the, yeah, this is the place yeah. of saying, I can have what I want, which is wholeness. Right. So now the minute I feel that pain, instead of thinking, oh, and yes, sickness leave my body in Jesus' name, speaking to it. But secondarily, and this is the part I think a lot of times that we miss is like, imagining yourself whole and being like, okay, instead of thinking I have a headache, I'm going to think, oh, I'm so thankful that I don't have pain in my hands. I don't have pain in my knees. I don't have pain in my back. I'm so thankful that I am whole, that the blood of Jesus flows through me. The life of Christ is living inside of me. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is giving life to my body. And imagining that, do you know how many times I have seen headaches go away just by, instead of, and I've had bouts with headaches so this is the one i really know to where instead of thinking i have a headache because i'll wake up and be like oh, i have a headache now i've learned to be like oh look at that my body doesn't hurt my legs don't hurt i'm so full of wholeness the other day i had this thought pop in my head my body loves to heal itself and I was like, yes, that is awesome. That's because, because you've been meditating on it. Exactly. Yeah, it it's the spirit of God. Exactly. It's the spirit of God. And so I think that is the secondary part that we sometimes forget is imagining ourselves whole, seeing ourselves whole and thinking about our wholeness and thinking about the life that I still have yet to live, the goodness and the stuff that I'm meant for, the purposes of God. Do you know when I'm thinking about ministering to people and when I'm thinking about giving to people, I'm not thinking about, oh, my head, oh, this, oh, that. No, because I'm like, I got stuff I got to go do. Right. Yeah. Well, that's what meditation is. I love the imagination. <coughs> meditation is exactly that, yeah. imagining yeah. the truth and replacing the reality, right. your reality. Yeah. You're conforming to his image. Yeah. Yeah. You are becoming like him. Yeah. Yeah. And that is a process, it but is. it is intentional. Yeah. It is yeah. an intentionality that you embark. Jesus, and, and I often say this in, in John 8, 32, where you say, the truth will set you free. And we just said, oh, the truth, like it's whether the fact is accurate, that will set you free. It's not whether the fact is accurate will set you free. Right. It's his truth right. that you replace. In fact, in 31, right. he says this to the Jews who had believed him. Yeah. Jesus said, if you abide, yeah. settle down, make yourself at home with, yeah. soak yourself in yeah. my word, yes. then... You will know the truth. Yeah, that's John 8, 31. Correct, yeah, John 8, 31 and 32. He says, when you settle down and know his word, you know him, you know you're abiding in his word. And that's what we're talking about. Yeah. Whether you're spending time with Jesus, yeah. whether, you're, whether you're getting to meditate on it, you're abiding in his word, you're crystallizing that truth. Yeah. It's not just something I heard on Sunday. I take it home yeah. and I'm becoming, I'm going to see that as like, oh, but it doesn't agree with my truth. My truth. That, that's a word we hear so much today, right? Oh, yeah. My truth. Right. There is so much my truth around that everybody yeah. is like relativism. I'm sorry to say, guys, there is no relativism. Uh -huh. There is only one truth and his name is Jesus. Right. He said, I am that's the it. way, the truth, truth. and the yeah. life. Yeah. And so we are all on a journey of adopting his view and opinion. If we're not adopting his view and opinion, yeah. we miss out. Yeah. That's all. That, right. That's just as that, simple that, as it is. It is. But that's Jesus that's encourages us and gives us technique, these things. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it's good. 
Is it okay that we got a little bit real today? Seth and Sandra are so, so awesome. And, and um, I just love, you know, they've got, they're so, such deep wells. Um, and, and if you've, you know, Sandra has a coaching business. I don't know how many clients you have or still, you've got, you're I'm so full. A little bit more limited right now because oh, of church. Yeah. yeah. But Sandra does, has coaching and she helps people. And I mean, they, 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 they planted Open Fields Church. Yep. And so they're doing great in Greeley, Colorado. We have some people that mentioned Greeley here earlier. Yeah. Who was met from Greeley, Colorado? I mentioned, oh, there you go. Yeah, so anyhow. I'm just very impressed that we were able to get three preacher types up here and not go until two, three, four o'clock. <laughs> like we did this last week. <laughs> no. Yeah, right? Right. Thank no. you, Shannon. You uh, know, it, it's just always a delight to be here. And I, I was thinking as, as we were coming in today, I mean, it's been a great week being here and hanging out and, and having great kingdom discussions about, you know, the unity that's amongst us and what we can do to impact our world. And just, I know some of you I haven't met, but some of you I know quite well. And it's just such a delight to come to Lake Haven because of the relationships, because of the friendships. And I love you. Thank you. Um, it's been an honor to be mm -hmm. here this week. We live, leave this afternoon, but it's been a, a treat to be here. And thank you. Yeah. Thanks for being our friend. I wanted to tell you all just a little bit about Open Fields Church because we talk to them about you guys and we say our sister church in Florida. And so you all have a sister church in Greeley called Open Fields Church and I would it would be so fun if we could get the two churches together. It'll probably happen in heaven, but whatever. But I just want you to know that you have people there who are connecting to you guys just via prayer and thinking about you and and we talk about how great you all are and uh, so we are so thankful to be here to be a part of you guys um, every time I walk in the doors I'm just like mm -hmm. <laughs> I feel like I'm with my family uh, so it's just it is a privilege and a delight and we are thankful for all of you you know we, we, we love oh no we've got a great relationship and I'm telling you these the, the, this couple are power couple in the kingdom because they just have they are so rich and I'm so glad for them and like I said what you'll see it if you when you, we, even some of Seth's ministry that's coming up here in in the but Sandra too I mean just so much in you all that um, that that the kingdom benefits with so and I don't just say that because it really many of you know Sandra and and have experienced some of those things but you know I just want to challenge you or just let the Holy Spirit I think he's done his work today as we just let his and unpack some of his truth so won't you just close your, your eyes just for a second and um, and just, just if you're online or watching that, or watching this online, I'd like to challenge you. If you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then there's absolutely an opportunity to do that right now. And it's just a matter of reaching out in your heart and saying, Jesus, I need you. Because Jesus will meet you right there. If you came with a friend and you've stuck it out with us this morning, Jesus is there to meet you where at you. And even if you're born again and, and you feel like something tugged at your heart or you pointed some truth, and, and I'm telling you that Jesus is not a condemner. He will never condemn you. He will always lead you into goodness and into life. He will always convict and to, to bring you into, into good things that He's done for you. And, and, and wherever you're at, whether it's if whatever you need, there are benefits to joining the family. But we don't pursue the benefits. They just come along with a package of knowing Jesus. Know Him.
and let him take care of those things that you need. Allow him to be Jaira if you need provision. Allow him to be Rofer, your healer, if you need healing. Whatever it is that you need, he has more than enough for you. He loves you. He cares about you. So what are you going to do with this this morning? What is the decision that you're going to take home with you today? I hear Father saying, and I don't know if this is for one person or a few, but I hear him saying, my sweetheart, you are more than able. You have my spirit inside of you, and you are able. So don't be deceived by the enemy to think that you cannot. You can. You are able. Hallelujah. You have anything? You good? Awesome. Well, Father, we are so grateful for your Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you that you love us and lead us into all truth. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you care so deeply for each one. I just, I just release peace and rest to you. If you need, if you're tired and really burdened in the inside parts, to the place that you can't even sleep because you're just so tired. I want to encourage you to hook up with Jesus. Just use your imagination for a quick second. Just imagine stepping up to Jesus. His hands are open and He is going to take that from you. He's going to see to the depths of your heart with eyes of love and He's going to say, Hey, my son, my daughter, give that to me. You don't need to be carrying that any longer. Just hand that over to him. I'm telling you, I love you. Let him be liberty to you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, if you, um, we're, we're going to dismiss here. And um, um, if you have any need to, to see,